0: Podcasting in my pyjamas. This is tiebreaker with Ria. It's all about capturing journeys, sharing knowledge and letting you know that struggles are beautiful because growth comes only through efforts and struggles. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's begin the transformation. Emmanuel Alberto Platas was a 2013 mayoral candidate for the city of Los Angeles. He was the first of his family to attend college, graduating from Stanford University in 2006. He's a combat veteran and continues to serve in the United States Army Reserve. He's now a full-time investor, a founding partner of East Law's Capital, a technology-enabled private equity firm. Our conversation was so good. We spoke about poverty, being real, working hard, family, and basics on how to become an investor. He is surely a real deal. So knowledgeable, so humble, just can't express enough. Let's welcome Emmanuel Platus. Hello, Emmanuel. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Hi, Ria. How are you? Thank you for inviting me.
0: I'm fine, thank you. I am blessed, actually. You know, I, LinkedIn is always, uh, you know, it, it's being like a very powerful tool for me because I'm get I'm able to meet so many amazing people out there, and I'm so happy. I'm so blessed.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now we with uh, it's constant connections and and exactly. good to always meet new people and learn about others.
0: You know, perfect. You know, you know, there are two things that I was like when I first had this introductory call with you. I was mm-hmm. so amazed listening to your story, and I was like. I need some good time to prepare stuff because uh, <laughs> I'll tell you why. Uh, I don't usually prepare for anybody. I don't prepare because I want it to be super impromptu and stuff. But you are in these two industries where I think I'll have to prepare because first, investment, investors, and stuff, I have no idea about it. Second, mm-hmm. uh, you know, government. Ow, that is big.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> that is big. So, you know, before we move forward, tell us something about you. Tell us, give us a backstory. Tell us you know, where you come from and everything.
1: Yeah. So I, I grew up in. I was born and raised in the United States in Los Angeles, California. Most, at least that's where I was born and raised most of the time. And my, my mom is from Mexico. My father's from El Salvador. So I have kind of a Latin America um, influence, at least culturally. And, and, uh, and I think that I've taken that with me, uh, in, in most places because I'm very involved in the Latino community or the Latinx community here in the, in the U S and currently I'm the chairman of the Hispanic Heritage Foundation, which is a national nonprofit, um, focus on the Latino and Latin American community. Uh, but I've, I've been, um, I've been blessed myself in that I grew up in a, um, at least for us standards, uh, very low-income, below-the-party-line uh, type of experience. Uh, but aside from poverty, um, uh, growing up in inner-city Los Angeles, which in the 80s and 90s was not the best place uh, to be a young, uh, a, a young male, at least, because of the gang influence and, and all that uh, that was going on at that time. Uh, but anyway, I got lucky. I, I, I studied well and, and was able to get into Stanford University. Uh, And then from then on, um, you know, make my single mom proud uh, and continue into a career uh, that uh, has now spanned uh, multiple industries. Uh, but also just um, has enriched my own life to be able to be more confident in whatever I want to do. And so I've done, you know, finance. I started on Wall Street. I've been uh, management consulting um, at McKinsey and Company. Uh, I I was a trustee for a pension fund, overseeing uh, a large pool of capital to the tune of twenty billion dollars. And I've been inside of a couple uh, different tech companies. Uh, from you know a few employees to a couple hundred employees, wow. uh, including um, companies that did not get any any venture capital backing to companies that were private equity backed. Uh, so so I've had a lot of experiences now, um, and and that has allowed me to kind of weave in and out of the public sector and private sector, as you've mentioned, mm-hmm. but all in the vein of you know how do you put resources to work to make that to to make them more productive to create value uh, across the board.
0: Wow, Wow! That, that, that's, that's amazing. You know, um, again, going back uh, to the time where you said that the poverty, poverty is not nice. Poverty is not, yep. you know, it, it's very scary. And we are so blessed here talking because, of, you know, this pandemic, it did not affect us a lot. People are crying out there because, you know, they think that pandemic is not nice. Pandemic is not nice, but they're not imagining the lives of the people who, who do not have shelter, you know, who do not have yep. good food to eat. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we are so lucky, to be honest. So, uh, Emmanuel, what is that one thing that poverty taught you, you know, and what is that one thing you think that people should know uh, all the rich kids out there or all the Uh entrepreneurs or anybody out there who, you know, who think life is difficult for them, but, but you know, the real side, you have seen the real side. So how is that for you?
1: That question alone could be a multi-hour conversation over drinks. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I would say that um, it's taught me a lot of things, but maybe to the, to, to your question, in terms of um, a takeaway for maybe people that have never experienced it, is that uh, you can't take anything for granted. Uh, if if you don't have anything, um, you 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 uh, you learn to figure out how to live that way. And so, uh, you know, for example, I didn't have a bed until I went to college, uh, and then first time I slept in it, like that, I had my own bed. Uh, and, and so while most of my peers at Stanford, uh, that, you know, that wasn't the case, uh, but you, you sort of, um, you know, you can't take that for granted. Right. Um, and then, uh, you know, like we never bought new clothes. It was always on yard sales. I don't know if if you're familiar with a yard sale, basically when people put out their stuff in front of their front yard and sell stuff. And that was basically where we bought our clothes, uh, um, throughout my life and until maybe the last few years of high school where I said, well, maybe we should buy a you know, and, and a nice shirt at Ross or something or some discount store. Um, so, you know, things like that. And, and, and so I guess the, 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 um, for someone that hasn't experienced it, you have to realize that everything that you're probably taking for granted, uh, you know, 70% of the world, if not 90% of the world doesn't have that. Exactly. And, 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 and so, You have to put that in perspective where um, most people don't realize how privileged and lucky they are in life. And, And so once you start realizing that, you start appreciating things more and you start actually, I don't know, I think you actually become more healthier mentally because you're like, wow, I do have all this. What can I make of it, right? Whether it's getting a job, or helping your family, or helping someone else, helping someone on the street. And, and I think uh, once people can get their heads around that, they become more altruistic and more willing to help others because they realize they have so much compared to other people. Uh, but but maybe that's sort of a takeaway for someone who has never experienced poverty. But I guess for the people that have experienced poverty, um, the way I look at it uh, as a driver and a motivator to say that (laughs) I've already been in the worst. (laughs) Like, like I have I am not afraid of risk. I'm not afraid of taking chances. Um, you know, when, when people think of like, Oh, my job is tough. I'm working a lot of hours, Uh, or, Oh my God, it's not fair. Life's not fair because they pick someone over me. And when you think about all those things that, you know, I, I think of like, man, I've walked in the streets of inner city of LA, like with someone pulling a gun on you, oh. uh, or, or, or realizing that like your best friend can, you know, got shot and killed. And like, you know, that's sort of the things that, that I've experienced, uh, and not having anything to buy anything, right. Realizing when you go to the store, you, you, you're not going to buy anything. <laughs> you oh. might go to check some stuff out. So, so, so like, I just, when I look at everything I do, I'm like, there's people that have it way tougher than me, and I've had it tougher than me. So, like, what am I worried about? Like everything here is rosy. um, And if I take a little risk and I fail, oh well, I'm going to get up because I face worse and and I've dealt with adversity. I I have the resilience already built in. Uh, A lot of folks that come from poverty don't realize how resilient they are already. And and so when you're, when you, when you're able to move up the economic ladder, Mm -hmm. uh, you're, you, you should have more strength and you got to reach for that strength to, to make sure that resiliency becomes what gets you ahead in front of everyone else. Um, so, so I'll stop there, but that's sort of, you know, how I think of takeaways for people that maybe haven't experienced it, but for the people that have experienced it, make that a strength of yours. Don't, don't be afraid to wear it on your sleeve and, and make that the reason why you're going to work harder and get ahead for most people.
0: Wow. Uh, Emmanuel, to be honest, that's a mindset, you know, that that's a mindset. Uh, You know, it's like you are taking all the goods from that. And somewhere you think that if you have been through the poverty stage, you are lucky, you know, right. you, you are lucky, uh, because you, you saw the you saw the most horrible part and now there's nothing horrible than that, you know, like there's nothing yep. worse than that. So, you know, how do you not lose your hopes? I mean, if I were you, I would have killed myself to be honest, you know, uh-huh. going through that, you're not even sure if you're going to get your next meal. You're not even sure you're going to wear clothes of somebody, you know, the, the, the used clothes and stuff. So how do you not lose hope, lose hopes? And how are you sure that it's okay? This shall pass too. Like how, how are you going to do that? That's not easy.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's, it isn't easy and, and I don't want to make it seem like, even though I had it I, it, I didn't have it. I didn't have it good growing up. There are people that had it worse. Uh, there are people that had domestic violence in their household. I didn't have domestic violence. It was just my mom, single mom, quite frankly, even though we were poor and and she was by herself, like I never experienced that. There's people that experienced that, that, that scars you. Um, there's, there's people that experience sexual abuse when they're kids. Um, I mean, there's so many things. There's people that experience either a disease or early on in their life, right? Things, uh, speech impediments. I mean, all kinds of things that can pile on. So I'm like, you know what? I, I was, Healthy, athletic, and luckily, my mom had this optimism about her. And, and I think so. So I, I, I more answer that with like my personal experience is that I, I was I was in a in a loving household, even though we had nothing. Um, and I do wow. think that that is a common thread because I've met so many other people that maybe came from a poor background, and and you sort of like because you don't have much. You, you just hang on to what you do have, which is your family, the love from your family right and and that that 's I think what what has kept me on and then I think on top of that, you then have if you haven 't you know i don 't want to say everyone needs, needs to be an optimist i 'm an optimist, uh, but that helps he 's helped me uh, being an optimist, knowing that like things can get better, things will get better wow. and that we have the ability to either to make them better, maybe I never had dreams that I was going to be you know this amazing successful business person because I didn't even know what that was growing mm-hmm. up. Um, but but I definitely thought like oh like we're gonna be okay. Like I'm gonna figure it out. Uh, and 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 I think that's what that's what kept me by. Uh, you what know- that's what that's what helped me get by.
0: That that's the reward you get when you're super optimistic and when you're super you're an hustler, you know. That that's the reward you yeah. get having a beautiful exactly. life ahead. Wow. That's just exactly. a mindset. So for all the people out there who think that you're stuck in a situation, you're stuck uh, you know, you, you don't see a way out, just hold on, be optimistic and you know, life has its own way. You are gonna you're gonna come out beautifully. Wow, that's awesome, that's Emmanuel. Right. And you know, I just don't want to go to the next part because I think there's one more part that we want to touch. And that is, sure. you were like, people are roaming out with guns. <laughs> In <laughs> India, here, people do roam out with guns, but it's like the toy guns, you know, the kids. who are just... <laughs> So how, yeah. you know, growing up with poverty is still okay. But growing up with fear of losing your life or, you know, uh, having your mother and you're like, you're scared. You never know that you, today might be your last day so
1: yeah and and I, and I do think though that when I think of my experience and you know and then I, I think of maybe someone that, that's growing up in Syria right now with in, in the middle of war right and 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 I think people end up getting desensitized the, the human brain and and the 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 resiliency of human beings I think um, is underestimated usually uh, because uh, even though, like, I knew factually that could happen. Like, I knew that I that down this street, if I walked there could be a drive by at any moment. And there were drive bys in front of my house, like shootouts. Um, I, you know, like, it, it you know, it would not happen all the time, but but it happened. And, and you didn't, but like, even though you know that's a fact and something could happen, I, I didn't, you didn't, you weren't afraid of it. At least I wasn't afraid of it um after you know after you, you you essentially get desensitized to it and it's just a fact and and then you're just like okay well i know that if a car is driving by and is slowing down And I see folks that are kind of looking for something, you know what, I'm going to walk the other way or I'm going to go inside my house and and I'm going to see what happens. Right. Like, like you, you, you know, this is like, you learn this in like elementary school and middle school. Uh, So, so like you just, you just learn how to do it. And look, I'm also in the U S army and I've been deployed in the middle East. So I've seen um, and look, I wasn't there in the mid two thousands when it was really, really heavy, uh, you know. But I was still in a in a combat zone, and and you know, you just like you see the families and the kids, and and it's just like it becomes a, a way of life. Where you just have to realize that, like, hey, there could be a bomb that blows up at any moment, and you have sort of your own. You know, standard operating procedure of what to do with that, right? Uh, so, so again, it, the the human brain and the, the resiliency of human beings around the world is amazing. Where you can go through so much, and then you just adapt and you figure it out. and And sometimes I have these conversations with with my wife, um, and we just talk about how you know what. Sometimes you just have to take a step back and realize how privileged you are. And and you need to just stop complaining about what is in front of you because there's you could have it so much worse, right? Like we have the opportunity... at least I have the opportunity because now I've gone out of that environment and I've made, and I've reached the heights of of this world, right? I've been in the White House, I've been uh, at Goldman Sachs at the Preeminent investment bank, I've been uh, doing consulting to CEOs of some of the largest companies. Uh, I, you know, so I've seen now the heights of society. Uh, I'm in LA, so I've seen Hollywood too. Like the people, people get all, you know, about Hollywood and celebrities. Like I've actually interacted with celebrities. So, so now I'm at a place where I'm like, you know what? I've seen it and I can access it. Right. Now, most people from my background can never get there. For all the reasons that, that, exactly, that, you know, that, exactly. that people are disenfranchised, disempowered, just dis- underrepresented, uh, underserved, underprivileged, all the stuff, all the words you can throw at. <laughs> um, and I've been lucky that I've sort of figured out how to break through, but I'm still not part of that. Like, I still have no, you know, I, I'm, I'm still not wealthy. I'm still, so I'm still working at trying to get there and trying to really belong in that kind of more elite society. And not because I want to belong, but it's more because now I see it as a means to an end. The more access I have, the more I can dedicate resources to where I think they could be more productive because I have that perspective of living through a place where you don't have much. And so when you don't have much... Whatever you have, you make the most of it. So I always think as an investor, I think of like exactly. the moment you can get something, how can you make it more productive and how can you make it uh-huh. more valuable? Because someone could have the same exact resources, the same exact amount of money, but they may not make it last as much as the other person. And so, you know, that's sort of the attitude I have and and why, you know, I think I'm still on this long journey of getting access to more resources and putting them to productive uses.
0: And you know what, Emmanuel? I I think that why you were optimistic or why you knew that life is going to be, you know, it's going to become better is because you were happy. You had this amazing mom. You had good friends in spite of, you know, things happened. You were happy, right? Yes. And that is... I agree with you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I had a very... Um, I've, I've always had a very kind of, um, not just optimistic, but, but, uh, 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 you know, I look at things and I say, you know, they could, they could be better, but it, but it's not, you know, let's work with what we have and, wow. and, and, uh, and you have a positive attitude towards it. Um, but, but I, I say, I always, I say that, but I always, um, I know that that's maybe part of my personality and not everyone has that, but that's okay. If you don't have it, then realize what you have. Realize that maybe some things bother you more than other things. Okay. But but almost um, what I, I try to help people to look at it as kind of building blocks of your life. And And some things maybe aren't the greatest. Some things are really good. How can you make sure your environment has more of the good... To make you happy because maybe you're not like, I, I'm naturally a happy person, but maybe someone else isn't because maybe they had other things that affected them in life that, that it makes it hard for them. So I, I'm conscious of that because I can't say like, be like me. like you, Not everyone can be like me, um, but do, do what you can with what you have and find ways to create more positivity in your life so that you can use that for you know, whatever reinforcement you need in your life. And and hopefully that will drive more happiness for you.
0: Exactly, and you know, as I just said, if I were you, I would not have been able to do it. And there are so many out there people who are like, okay, if I were in your shoes, I would not have been able to do it. But I think that if life if life throws something at you, if you're strong mm-hmm. enough, no matter what, you'll be able to do it. You know, it's just That's that right. you have never seen that situation. It's that you have never been been there, and you feel that it's it's scary. It's 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 a lot of you know this. I I don't want to go there, but. If you don't have any other choice, you know, the, the next choice is to just go and die. So you're going to definitely accept yeah. it and, you know, you're going to train. Yep. Wow. Exactly. That's awesome. That was nice. Exactly. Wow. Awesome. Uh, so, you know, growing up was tough, but then you got to this amazing university.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: you met rich not, people. Not,
1: not too bad of a university. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you met rich people. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Emmanuel, tell me one thing. You know, we think you know we like we human beings, the middle class people like me. I'm a, I'm a middle class, and I'm like, rich people might be so happy. That is the mindset hmm. we have. That's a stupid mindset we you know we have. Yeah. We carry that. And when you met rich people, when you kind of made rich friends, uh, you know what was your feeling like? Were you like you know okay whatever their lives are horrible in spite of them having money or you're <laughs> I'm, I'm you know what was that like you know?
1: Yeah, I mean look, the, uh, we're all human beings, right? Whether you have a billion dollars or, you know, 10 dollars uh in US, right? You you're, we're all human beings and and so um I you know, there's different adages about, you know, once you reach a million, you want to get a billion, right? Once you get a oh, thousand, you want to get a exactly. million. And and so like everyone still has this depending on your personality, uh-huh. either ambition or wanting wanting more. Uh and then because we're human beings <laughs> human beings complain about a lot of stuff, <laughs> and it, I don't care how much money you have. I, I've, I've, you know, sat down with really, really wealthy people, and they're still complaining about something. <laughs> so, like, there's still something in the human psyche that uh, wants you to be critical of something. And obviously, there's being critical, and that could drive negativity. But I also think that being critical drives innovation. Right? If you're like, that could be done better. And I think that's the spectrum where the, that that's the beauty of the human brain, and that we 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 do have a natural innate ability to be critical because I've seen you know someone poor has many things to complain about, and someone super wealthy you would think doesn't have that many things to complain about, but exactly. trust me exactly. they have many things to complain about <laughs> and, and and so then. You think about well, okay, well, well, what's sort of a common thread? And the common thread is, yeah, you—it's you, not that everyone likes to complain because that's you can kind of that's a negative way of looking at it. But everyone has the crit- critical eye. You have a brain that can kind of dissect what's in front of you and say, is this the best thing for me right now, or is this the best thing for the environment? And and I think most people can discern how things could be done better, or at least. They believe it could be done better, and I think that's where innovation can come from. That's where I think the the you know I've I've been in Silicon Valley, I went to school there, I've worked there, and and, and I think most of the founders, or entrepreneurs there. Not just in Silicon Valley, but in Silicon Valley, they end up getting more money because they're in Silicon Valley and there's more money there. <laughs> but like they, they, there's a, they, they look at things and like, how can that be done better? And and then they have this confidence that I can do it. And I, I think most human beings maybe don't have the second part, the confidence, but they have the discerning eye of of that can be done better. Or like, I don't like how that is, right? um, And, and so... I don't know. I, I I I think that no matter what, how much money you have, you you have something that you're complaining about. You have something that you want to improve. Uh, and then what I challenge people on then at that point is how can you improve it, but not just for yourself, but for other people. How can you make that a positive? Uh, and how can you understand how whatever you're thinking may not be what the other person's thinking because the other person may have other things to worry about. Exactly. Right. So while I could have a you know roommate worrying about you know getting the perfect score on their essay or, you know, whatever problems that they're working on. And my, you know, I may be worried about like, how do I send money right now to my mom because she wow. needs it. Right. Wow. And like, I can't even think about the problem set or the paper I'm writing until later on that night. And then all of a sudden I'm pulling an all nighter and then I'm, you know, not at the best of my abilities the next day and I'm falling asleep in class. <laughs> and you know, that's a very real, like that, that, that definitely happened to me. And, and those are the things that like, so like everyone has something to complain about or worry about, but it's not all the same. And so when, when you think you're, what you're worried about is it may not be at all what the other person's worried about. And I think that's where the missing link is where sometimes we're, we're sensitive to what affects us, but we're not sensitive to what affects the other person. And that's, that's, where I think us as human beings need to improve on.
0: As you said, you know, people uh, want more. If I'm, if I'm a millionaire, I want to become a billionaire. If I have $10, I want $20. This the uh, urge of having more, wanting more. This is there in every human being. So do you think it's a negative trait or a positive trait? Because, you know, again, this can have two perspectives. One perspective is that you don't want to be satisfied and you know, you want to keep struggling, you want to keep hustling and you want to reach, you know, you don't want to be satisfied and stagnant in one place, at one place. And another negative perspective is that you're too hungry and you, you're you not, you know, you're, you're not satisfied with what, with what you have. Yeah. <laughs> so what do
1: you so think? I- I mean, I, I do think it could it could cut both ways, and, and that's why I, I like to well at least for me I definitely I'm never satisfied, and I'm always trying to improve things wow. right and and I think if if anything I've noticed that about myself in every work environment whether it's you know on a on a you know trading floor uh, or it's in a meeting with a bunch of executives uh, I'm I'm I have that trait about me uh, but but it's you know I, then my challenge is how do I channel it for the positive. How do I understand how someone else receiving my critique, how can I present it in the best way so that they receive, receive it in a positive way or they receive it in a way where they think they can bring their idea to the table and that I'm listening, right? And one thing I've always... Uh, my, me and one of my best friends think about who who runs a nonprofit, the Hispanic Heritage Foundation, we always say, how do we do things where other people feel like they can take credit for it? Because that's going to make them happy, Whoa. and as long as we're happy that it gets done, that's a good thing, right? And and uh, I, I hate saying that people are inherently lazy because not everyone's lazy, but <laughs> but people don't mind taking credit and being patted on the back, right? And that that's that, you know, I don't know if that's that's not actually lazy, but people have an ego, have feelings, and 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 so most people want to feel like someone else is congratulating them for something they've done well, and so when you think about Doing things to your question about being restless and and wanting to improve, there's definitely the negative way of saying this sucks. I'm done with it. I don't want to <laughs> deal with it, and a little bit more of a quitter mentality. Which you know, it, it, you can quit at something if it just doesn't make sense, right? If it's harming you. Uh, however, it, but but if you know you can make it positive or learn from it, then then learn from it and make it positive. And so the way I think about it is, if something's not as best as it should be, or it's not as optimized as it could be. How can I make it so that everyone thinks it was their idea
0: <laughs> so wow. that then it
1: works. And then at least it got done and I'm happy with it. And yeah. and I sort of, I take the long road. And so maybe there's advice for people that are in these situations. I always take the long road that if you continue making positive things happen people will notice. You're going to get congratulated. Don't worry. Don't stress <laughs> out. Don't, like, don't think like, oh my God, I did it. No one recognizes it. Look, I know there are people in those situations, but in the long run, people will notice because there are human beings out there that are discerning, that are looking yeah, at I others. Exactly. And so just do the right thing. And if you do the right thing and you, and, you, and you help make situations better, there will be someone else that notices at some point. Not everyone, but someone else. And you need to figure out how to find happiness on your own, in your own life. those things you're doing uh and and i think there's there's some a lot i can go a lot of ways here but i think that's where you know service community service public service comes in where you have to be willing to do things without being thanked for them and that allows you to be happier by yourself and over time people will thank you people will do that the the glory will come but you shouldn't be doing things to get glory you shouldn't be doing things to to be thanked
0: exactly, and the best metaphor could be um, inspire. You know, people are not seeing you, people are not looking at you, but still you're brushing your te- your teeth. You're still going and kind of yeah, you know, like that, taking yeah. a shower. Why are you doing that? People are not noticing you. You're not going to somebody. You're not hugging somebody. You're doing it just to be healthy. you're doing it because that's right for you. That's right for your health. And. It, it, it's a similar thing, you know. Do good, but don't be, you know. Don't just want to, you know, come out and kind of be like I. People notice me, notice me, notice me. The more you try, mm-hmm. people noticing you, they're not. You know. <laughs> that's right. Wow, that's, that's right. awesome. So, Emmanuel, tell us a little bit about your government journey, the public sector, hmm. because you know that's that's important and that's very sure. different. I, I tried watch. I, I watched a few videos. There are (laughs) so many words out there. I'm like, okay, I need to Google this. I need to Google this because I don't understand anything, but tell us something about the public, you know, that experience and stuff.
1: Sure. So I've, uh, when I was in in high school, I was always into leadership, but more like community service, right? So, and and in the U.S., if you want to go to a good college, you better be doing community service. Um, But you better do it for the good, the right reasons, what we talked about, right? And and I think in, in college... I I I had a mentor that said you you have some traits that um can help you in the public service world the political world right and some of those traits are your ability to persuade or have presence and look I'm I I have good height so maybe that helps right and and obviously there's statistics about politicians being taller uh but but you know there's there, I've seen people that don't have height that have amazing presence, right? Whether it's posture, how they speak, how they look at people. Um, there definitely are these kind of characteristics, and so I think that uh, one of my mentors noticed that about me and said, "You should consider politics. You should consider public service that way because you care about the community." Clearly, like I wanted to be back. I wanted to be a teacher at Inner City, Los Angeles, and and you know I wanted to figure out how do I help in the education world, uh, people that don't have opportunities, as, uh, you know, as many as, as my peers at, at my university. And so because of that, that was the beginning of the journey to get into the, to understand political life. And what I did is I threw myself head first. I actually took time off of school. So I, I didn't drop out, but I just took time off and and went to work on political campaigns. One of them being the campaign for Antonio Villaraigosa, who was then, when I first worked for him, he didn't even have, he wasn't in office, but he was a former speaker of the California State Assembly, which is essentially like the president of the legislature of, of California. And, and but he was, he had lost a campaign, so he didn't have a job. Uh, yeah, actually he didn't have a job. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, but he was running for city council, which is a smaller seat, representing East Los Angeles, where, which is where I spent most of my childhood. And so that was the kind of seminal moment where I was able to dive in. And I, he ended up, because I was, I was his first volunteer for his campaign, so timing matters too, and so a little luck and timing doesn't hurt, uh, that I became his personal assistant. So I was with him seven days a week. I heard all his conversations, saw all the people he dealt with, saw how much time he spent on doing X, Y, or Z, whether fundraising or talking to voters. And and so that shaped me where at the age of 19, 20, I was able to see what a primetime politician looked like and how he worked, right? Uh, And then he became mayor. And so I ended up working him in two different stints. And I was his personal assistant up until he became mayor. Uh, and the personal assistant involved driving, waking him up in the mornings, going to his Whoa. house, picking him up, to dropping him off uh, when he was almost, he was already asleep in the car sometimes. And 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 so that shaped me where I was like, oh, that's what it looks like. Here's the mayor of LA. Like, this is how it looks. <laughs> um, and I interact with other politicians. And I was like, wow, they're not as hungry or they don't care as much or they don't work as hard, right? And, and so I was able to kind of, uh, see what I thought was the right qualities in a public servant and what I thought were not. And I think that's what spurred me to then run for office myself. So I actually ran for Congress at the age of 25. So I'd have been like one of the youngest ever. Mm-hmm. And then I ran for mayor at the age of 29, which I would have been the youngest in like over 120 years. So, so I, I, I had, it's kind of, couple everything in my life from like coming out of poverty and having confidence from sports to being like, I can do this, you know, getting to Stanford, realizing that I'm amongst the smartest and some of the wealthiest people in the world. um, I sort of had a lot, I, I, my confidence only grew. And then seeing firsthand at 19, 20 years old, the mayor of Los Angeles who was then getting national press uh, you know, there, there was a lot of things going on where I was like, I can do this, and this is how it should be done. And to this day, like I don't regret doing that because I think I would have been an amazing. Uh, it would have been an amazing opportunity to to help people during that time. And and in the U.S. at least, probably around the world, if you have a young public servant that gets elected, a lot of people put their eyes on them. They're like, "Oh man, that's the future, right?" If you're a seventy-year-old politician, you get elected. It's like. All right, well, you know it, it's not as exciting.
0: <laughs> so anyway, there's a lot
1: of uh, so in politics. You have to understand that you have to understand the bully pulpit, the ability for you to persuade, to use the fact that people listen to you for good. Um, and so anyway, all those things is what led me to not just run for office, but then um, I never wanted to work in government. So even though I've worked in government, it's not that wasn't my my. My uh, goal. My goal was to help people and to be a public servant. But you know, along those lines, I you know, I worked for President Obama. I was one of his appointees in the Treasury Department. Worked on economic affairs uh, for the guy who became mayor, Antonio Vargas. I I worked for him as well, so I can say I worked in government. But that's not, that wasn't my goal. It was more of how can I just do good things and and uh, and I think wow. in retrospect, those experiences have helped me to now um, understand the interplay between the private and public sector as an investor, because I think that's super important. Most investors have never worked and government don't understand it. And all they read is headlines and they have these gripes because they, everyone knows how to complain. Remember? So they have these complaints about government, but they have never actually been in it. They don't re- realize what, it, what actually happens.
0: Wow. That, that, that's crazy. You know, you got to learn a lot. Definitely. Um, and then you have been to war, right?
1: Yeah, I've been in a combat zone. Yes. In you, a war.
0: You, yeah, you saw my expression, right? War. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: war. Yeah. Oh, how you know those nine months of your life? How was that supposed to be? How was that? Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Sure. I don't know no, I mean, look, you. I.
1: I I, I don't want to uh, dramatize it too much because um, I would feel like I'd be, doing, I'd be doing a disservice to all my mm-hmm. brothers and sisters who have either lost their life or, or been in even worse combat zones. Um, you know, I, I, I'm part of the intelligence community, so I have a job and my job is human intelligence. So you know, I was doing those types of activities, right? I mean, if you look up the definition, it's gathering information, intelligence, um, you know, actionable information uh, from human beings. Um, whether that's interrogations or uh, other ways of getting information, uh, that's what I did, and and so um, you know I, I can make it sound sexier and, and cool because you Actually. know I did do some <laughs> I did do some cool stuff, but but uh um you know without getting too in the weeds, I think I I thoroughly enjoyed my job oh. because I thought I was doing it for the right reasons, and and I learned a lot too, and and, and I think that you know I was I was. One of the few people in a combat zone who actually interacted with the "quote unquote" enemy, uh, or the you know folks on the other side, and and so then that um, obviously you you know very very few people that get deployed act ever interact with the exactly. folks on the other side. Uh, and so then obviously that's a very unique experience and, and, and that I take with me that I will take me with me for the rest of my life, where you start understanding human beings from every part of society, even human beings who might want to kill you uh, or human beings who maybe have no ill will, but they get caught up because all their family is in the business, um, or in the exactly. I, you know in, in in a in a more exactly. aggressive state towards you. And, and so there's people come from all walks of life, poor people, wealthy people, connected people, non-connected people. And, and so that I think the more you understand people and you understand just their innate motivations, their fears, their what makes them happy. How their ego affects them, we're all human beings it, 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 like we have these commonalities, and so that allowed me to, as, as a human intelligence collector, I think I, I was able to excel because I, I had experiences working with you know in government and Wall Street and, and with business people, with poor folks, uh, um, with super religious people, and, and, and so I think I, I was able to draw on all those walks of life to then um, you know make sure that I was doing the right job for for my country
0: you know uh, i i just love your energy uh, every uh, you know every part of your life the things that happened you're being so honest about it you're being so okay about it and you're not like trying to you know um, what do you call it? trying to say that oh see i have done this i was this i was that you're yeah. like it's okay it happened and i enjoyed that part i enjoyed that journey that's amazing you're being so uh, so down to earth, which is like amazing as so, I
1: appreciate that. Yeah. So, so I, I, like I said before, I'll get praised at some point. I don't care. Like it'll happen. I, yeah. I just do do the, do the right thing. And, 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 um, you know, and if you're innovative and creative, even better, because then you can maybe create stuff and make them better. Um, wow. and that's sort of what I, how I always like to measure myself. So.
0: Wow. That's amazing. I, I love your energy already. It's awesome. <laughs> wow. Okay. And, you know, that, that was about your government, uh, uh, public sector or the government. Sure, yeah. stuff. Now, I mean, you're a kind of a person who's done everything, you know, you <laughs> are, I mean, and then you have become an investor. Like, tell us a little bit about what, you know, Uh, Because when you, you know, you had this government job, you everything was like nice. You you could have got, you know, a few more jobs in there in that particular industry. I'm sorry. In that particular, uh,
1: yeah, uh, uh, yeah. it's an industry. Trust me. (laughs) There's a, there is a, there is a uh, lobbyist industrial complex in the greater <laughs> DC, Sacramento, and anywhere there's government, there's people that are trying to influence it. So wow. uh, it is definitely an industry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, and then, uh, you you you're an investor now. You're investing in so many companies. I've seen your LinkedIn profile. I've got so many companies. You have your own company, which you which you literally started after coming from the war. Like you need right. that audacity to start something after mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> so tell us about your corporate life, about how you become an investor, and you know a bit about that. Sure.
1: So I'll start with maybe the last thing, which is starting my own private equity firm, and and uh, yeah, I mean I came back from after nine months in the Middle Eastern desert, <laughs> uh, in, in multiple countries, uh, and, and, and seeing, you know, combat, uh, or at least seeing, being in a combat zone and seeing things, uh, that, 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 uh, most people will never see a- and talking to people. I talked to, uh, I can say, um, without getting too in the weeds, I've talked to people that, uh, um, were detained from over 20 different countries, uh, which is fascinating. And, and and so you learn a lot, and and you also, um, you reflect on your own life, and and so the way I look at it is that when I came back, I said, you know what, no no one no one has handed me, uh, you know people have helped me along the way, but no one's going to tell me, hey, you can now build a private equity firm, it's your turn, here's the money, like no one's going to like give you that, and and so. Uh, then you think about all the people that have done it and, and you think, can I be like them? Can I do that? And the answer is yes, I can and 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 that's my confidence speaking but also my experiences because now I've seen it I've seen so much that I that I, I know all the building blocks to get there I know how to put it put the put the pieces together and, and so that's what kind of was the impetus for me to say hey I can do it and then I started you know talking to friends and I did have one friend who who put a little bit of money in to kind of help me get by uh, but but that's you know that that's the the, the the sort of impetus of me starting a firm but how do you become an investor and I I think that's a, that's a larger question that there's no one way. Uh, and, and I would say if there is one way, it's just start doing it. Just start being an investor, uh, meaning put your money into something that you believe can make it grow. Whether that's a loan and you're, you're, address, you're, you're assessing the credit quality, the risk of that person paying you back, that's investing. Right if you lend money to someone and and they you're trying to assess whether they pay you back that's investing um, technically in some places in the world in like Germany and 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 even Japan some places if you put money in the bank, it actually depreciates. It actually d- less value. So so if I give you money and you pay me back, yeah, you can get a higher return than in Germany <laughs> because the interest rates are negative. Uh, so, so when you think about that, you're like, Oh, wherever I put my money, if I expect something in return, that's investing. And so if you kind of simplify it like that, then, then you can get into, I buy a stock on the stock market. I could invest in a private company. Um, and there's all kinds of ways for you to, to get your money back, whether you get your money back like a loan or you get your money back when the asset, whether it's a house or a company appreciates and then gets sold later, or if the asset is profitable like a company... Their profits at the end of the year, you can get a piece of that because you're an equity holder. You own oh, a part of it, okay. so that's equity, right? And and debt, and those are the two main ways. I mean, some people look, go into uh, currency, foreign exchange, where you're trying to bet whether or not the the you know Indian rupee versus the U.S. dollar, uh, and and you you can bet. You know that the Indian rupee is going to appreciate, or the dollar will appreciate, and that's another way of, of betting where you don't, you're not, you don't have ownership, and you're not expecting a fixed income return, uh, which is bonds. Uh, and then the other one would be commodities. Those are sort of the main four big asset classes. Commodities is where you're buying. You know, I want to say rocks, right? You're buying materials. You're buying something that doesn't have human capital, no intellectual capital. It's just a thing, physical thing, uh, and and so that's a way to invest. So you're either investing in a physical thing that does has no intellectual capital, uh, or you're betting on one currency versus another, uh, or you're buying an asset that does take some intellectual capital, even real estate, right? The, the How to put the building and everything together uh, does take some intellectual capital, but a company is the way, the, the best example, because it, it's basically human beings that are creating things and then hopefully growing, selling some crop product or service. And then the bond is where you can put money somewhere and then you just expect a fixed return, like an interest oh. rate return. So that, that's all investing, right? Wow. And so anyone could be an investor, and the thing is, can you start doing it? And and I think over time, you start learning, you start analyzing, you you get more data. And that's sort of the, the organic way to become an investor. So now, the inorganic way is you go to a great school in undergrad, you get into <laughs> an investment banking job at a bulge bracket investment bank, and then you apply to a hedge fund or an asset manager on the buy side that allows you to have an investment professional role or a private equity firm. And so, the, you know, or one of these foreign exchange or commodities, you know, firms that, that are doing investments. And, and so then you become a professional investor, right? And that's where your day job is investing. But I wouldn't say like, you probably, you didn't actually have to ever invest your own money to get there. You just have to have the training by, again, going to a great school Going to invest in banking and then getting hired. Uh, Some of those people have never invested their own money really. They've only just had jobs that train them and then they do that. But those are most professional investors are that. Now, over time, because they're investing other people's money, they still learn from that. Because they're getting paid to manage other people's money to invest it, so over time you learn, and so the better investors learn over time from all the mistakes they've made, and hopefully they didn't make too many mistakes so that they could stay in business. Uh, but there are people that do it by themselves without have that formal training by just starting to invest, and over time they just build their own investment wealth, and then they can invest more and more. So those are the kind of the different ways to get in. I've gotten in more the the I would say. I'd say, I would say I've done both. I've invested my own money, but I'm super risky. I've actually invested with credit card debt. So I, I don't advise anyone to do that. That's not my advice. Wow. But back to me coming from nothing, I have no fear. <laughs> and wow. I'm not afraid of anything. And I trust my skills. I trust my training where I've invested with credit card debt. And, and I'm beating the return on my credit card debt. Uh, again, not advisable. But I've learned the hard way and I have made, you know, I, I, I bet my, my worst investment is that I think I bought a call option on a stock in China that was doing solar energy in the mid two thousands. Right? and, 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 you know, I didn't, I, it wasn't that much money, but I lost money. And, and I think that was like, Oh, you could lose a lot of money. Now I gotta be, I got I gotta, I gotta, Learn more analysis. Learn how to do actual analysis on on whether or not you buy a, a company. And I think that that's what over over time I learned more of that. And so I coupled with putting my own capital at risk with my own investments, and that's how I got I've got into where I am today, where I've made my own investments. I, I I'm an investor in five companies myself personally. And then wow. I've been at a private equity firm where I was part of the you know the initial founding team and was there for our first three investments as a firm. Which wow. were in the tune of thirty million dollar investments, so total about ninety million dollars that got deployed. So, so then I've seen it where I was under the guise of four senior partners, and so I learned a lot from them. Uh, there's a firm called Sunstone Partners, uh, and and so now I'm building it myself. So, so you know, deploying your own money, getting the actual training, like like learning how to build financial models, and then. Being in a firm that does it professionally on behalf of big institutions, that's Sunstone Partners, uh, and then now being able to do it myself.
0: You know, you can definitely become a teacher because I understood every single sentence you said, (laughs) trust me. And I'm, I kind of, I was literally hitting my head on this internet. I was like, how do I understand? I was trying to understand so badly, but I (laughs) didn't Wow. That was, that, that,
1: that comes, that comes from, uh, well, I mean, I feel like that's why I love, I love education and I do enjoy teaching. Uh, but I remember when I was trying to learn about finance and wall street, I was reading every blog. I was trying to understand it. And I talked to 50 people. I counted 50 people that were working in Wall Street in different type of jobs. And very few people could break it down to me. Very few people can explain it to me. And I was like, why is this? This is not rocket science. I'm not <laughs> trying to get a PhD in physics. And, and, and I think... That, so I kind of took that to heart. I was like, I need to explain it better. And I think one person finally was able to kind of explain it better. And that's why I caught on. I was like, ah, I got it. <laughs> wow. People have things. And they want to sell them, and people have money, and they want to buy them. Got it. That's <laughs> that's the markets. <laughs> you know,
0: literally the way you explained it, it's like, oh, is, that, is it that simple? <laughs> but <laughs> you know, uh, do you ever uh, have plans of getting into you know uh, teaching investing uh, to all the newcomers out there, newbies out there, or do you ever want to, or do you always want to be be an investor? You know.
1: So knowing what I know. I want to make sure that I'm the best investor in the world ever, right? Like That's my goal. Um, But I do believe that to be a good investor, you need to know how to teach it. And so I do enjoy helping other people learn because their questions help me refine how I explain it Mm -hmm. and help me refine how I even understand it. Uh, and, and because some investments could get complicated and you do need to understand like how do you structure a transaction, the different the capital stack, the capital structure from bonds to equity to you know all kinds of things in between. And and so there are ways that it gets complicated. And so but it but if you can simplify it and understand it at basic steps. And if I can explain that to someone that doesn't know finance, and I think I, I'm understanding it myself better, right? Um, and and that because at the end of the day, if you're investing in things you don't understand, you're less, much less likely to be successful. And so then I need to continue getting better. And I, like there are things that I still, like I've never invested in CLOs. Right and, and 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 so I still I understand them, but I never invest in them. So I still need to make sure that I continue understanding them because I want to at some point be able to know how that how I can deploy my own capital in that space and and drive a good return and make that part of a broader portfolio. And, and so you know it's important for you to be able to explain it so that you understand it yourself.
0: Okay, I have a few quick questions before we go about investment. Um, There are so many companies out there who are creating this decks and they're trying to be so detailed about, you know, what our company does, what is our future plan, startups, etc, etc. They write so much, so much like in detail and you know they go out there to uh this these uh, events that happen to find investors they present mm-hmm. everything and then you know hardly they're like many very few people get that you know get get yep. get an investor so what according to you is more important and let's say you have an option of selecting one company there are like 10 companies out here uh, who are you know? Who are looking for investors? So, what are the few qualities or few attributes you look in a in a in, in a company before investing?
1: Hmm. So, it depends a lot on the industry, and that's where I think my experience has helped me. Right, if I'm investing in a. You know, company that sells ice cream <laughs> to a company that sells digital services to a company that you know helps you build applications in the cloud. Uh, so everything has has a different way of, of uh, that that you analyze it. But if I if I painted the picture of my perfect investments, it's because the the team is highly. Um, the team is, is, is innovative, smart, but they're not afraid to be wrong. And so there's, there's unafraid to be wrong, but there's the acceptance of being wrong. And I've met wow. too many founders who think that they're always right and who are stubborn about that their idea is better than everything. And, and when I see that, that's a trait. I don't need to look at their financials. I don't need to look at their deck. If I sense that, I already feel like, okay, I'm gonna give this person my money and they're gonna die on the vine, spending all the investor money to do their idea because they think their idea is the best. And so I look at teams, founders, management teams that can adapt to the changing markets, are unafraid to be wrong, but accept themselves being wrong because they're gonna be the better, more innovative team, okay? Uh, then number two is I want the market to be growing by itself. So, so like the best way to mitigate risk is to invest in a market that's already growing so that even if the team isn't that good, the business might still do pretty well. And so, (laughs) so then I look at just secular tailwinds, broader markets, and this is ideal investment. Not all my investments aren't like this, but, but I'm giving you an ideal investment, right? So a team, that can, that can change and adapt with the times and understands how to analyze themselves and be wrong. And then a market, right? A, uh, uh, whoever your customer is, is coming from a market that is growing. Right. And so I'll give you an example. One of my investments, glitzy middle class of Mexico is growing women having more money in Mexico is growing faster than non-women. So that those, I love those secular tailwinds, right? Um, folio, investing in the U.S. stock market for anyone in the world. Everywhere in the world, people middle, there will be more middle classes and people will come out of poverty over time and there will be more developed economies. And the U.S. stock market is not going away anytime soon. And all the major U.S. companies, half of the revenue comes from abroad already. So you can invest in the U.S., right? So Pasfolio, secular tailwinds, it's going to grow. Phoenix payments, infrastructure of payments, more and more payments... Payments are are complicated when they shouldn't be. It's just moving money from one entity to another. But if you actually do a credit card payment, there's like 5 or 6 entities that take a cut of a transaction. So when I look at a company that's making that simpler to understand and 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 eliminating part of that cut so that you pay less... That's great, right? And payments is only growing, right? More and more credit card payments, uh, more and more money moving. Um, so anyway, those are some of the things Na- uh, the company called Nadine West is selling to middle American women, a subscription box service for apparel and jewelry. Uh, again, middle class in America, but specifically women that are coming into the workforce more and more. Uh, in the US, you would think it's already great, but it's it needs to improve continually. And it's a price point that is that is not super luxurious. I love that market. And that company is doing phenomenally well. So anyway, and then Sabio is the other one, which is training, uh, a coding bootcamp, training people to become software engineers. We need more software engineers in the world. Today in the United States, there are 800,000 job openings for IT jobs in the US. That's not even globally. In the US, wow. Sabio is training folks to get those jobs. That's, I love that. Whether or not Sabio is a good management team, they're going to do real well. Uh, and if they're a good management team and they're willing to accept accept when they're, when they're wrong, they're going to do even better. So anyway, those are how, how, how I invest. Now, the last thing I would say is that you also... like Because I'm a private equity investor, if the management team isn't great, you always have the option for you to put a new management team in or help that management team learn. Oh. And so then when you look at that type of company, as long as I pay less, then I have more wiggle room to invest more. And so that's sort of how you. That's that's sort of the you know that's number three. But that's more sophisticated in private equity type, where I can buy the majority of a company, control the outcome of the company, and it's my, now it's on my shoulders. Can I put the right people to lead the company to take it to the next level?
0: Wow, that was good information. You do your market research extremely well before you know investing a penny, and that that says a lot about you. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And uh, last question before we go: What are the um, uh, investing, uh, like the people, the newbies who wants to become investors, who've got money, who've got, or, or who have got the sources to have money, you know, to get money, but they don't know where to invest. They don't know what to do. So um, what's your advice for them?
1: So deploy money right away, put money to work, buy a stock, buy something, buy a bond, just put money. Cause the best way to earn is when you see that price go down and you're like, what's going on? It, it's like, there's nothing better that makes you research what's going on than seeing your money decline in value. That is exactly. the number one reason why yeah. someone researches. So that, that's, start that way. And then get training, read, 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 get training, research, research, get training. And then you'll eventually convince other people that you're doing your job and you're very serious about it. And other people will give you money to manage it on their behalf. Because most people don't want to manage their money. Most people are yeah. afraid of doing their finances. So Correct. if you know how to do it, <laughs> um, other people are going to volunteer to give you their money. And and so I have friends who say, can can you manage my money? Can you tell me where to invest it? And I'm yeah. like, I'm not even going to charge you because you don't have that much money. Um, it, it's a, but I'll just do it as a favor because I enjoy it. Right? And I can kind of explain to them where they should put their money.
0: Wow. You know, you should definitely start a YouTube channel or a paid or <laughs> something because there's so much of information. And I, I don't really want to end this conversation because it's it's like... I am understanding stuff and it's very difficult for me to understand new stuff, a complete new industry. Uh (laughs) Wow. That was amazing. And wow. Mind blowing.
1: Uh, Yeah. My pleasure. (laughs) The
0: the best part was uh, about this, the, the one which you said now, and I think it's not only for all the investors out there, for all the people who have got some money saved in your account, rather than just keeping it like that, you know, why don't, you know, because people are like, let, let us save our money. Let us not invest it anywhere because we don't know what the return looks like. We don't know what will happen to our money, you know? So this is the mindset, all the middle class, not, not only let's say small business owners, but also families, you know, anybody mm-hmm. can, you know, if you have some extra money, you should invest, let it be on stocks, let it be on anything. I think that's, that's, that's important.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: exactly. Wow. Wow, I yeah. need to do it. Or else call know. me and then I'll,
1: I'll I'll tell you what to do or 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 you can help and let me manage it for you. <laughs>
0: I would love that. <laughs> wow, Emmanuel, this was such a beautiful conversation. I, I, I would really I'll, I'll definitely reach out to you again. Uh just hey, to talk about investment because because I've already you can see my face that I'm actually excited to learn more about this industry because wow, this is amazing, you know. I we can have one more uh, recording where we're only talking about investment.
1: Sure you know? Absolutely. No, wow. my pleasure. Wow. Yeah. We, yeah. we need to educate the rest of the world. So yes, and it, you need it, to educate me. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. You, you could be the conduit. You, you reach out to everyone in the world and tell them to listen.
0: <laughs> yes. I'll do that. Trust me. I'll do that. that that's a go. great idea. And you know, uh, it, it was amazing talking to you. I'm going to reach out to you very soon. Just don't block me, please. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no
1: problem. Anytime.
0: Thank you, Emmanuel. And last one thing before you, you know, before we go, do you want to tell sure. last one to our listeners? Uh,
1: just anything.
0: Just anything, like any giveaways, you know, about life, um, about investment, about anything, government.
1: Just <laughs> believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Help other people, um, and and just continue doing positive things. It, it'll come back around, and it will help you in the end. It'll make you emotionally, mentally healthy, and um, and don't stop believing in yourself because you, everyone, everyone in this world has something to bring to the table and can help other people. Uh, and so, I fundamentally believe that. So, uh, hopefully, you take that to heart and you believe in yourself, and then you help other people along the way
0: so well said great Emmanuel! thank you so much for coming in it really 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 means a lot and please stay connected with me and I, I'm, I'm loving this conversation already wow you, yeah. I, I can't wait right. for my people to listen to this yeah thank you Emanuel uh-huh. thanks for coming right. thank you so much for joining us today guys I really hope you got some value out of this love you all and stay tuned for our next show bye bye